Hi. Welcome to the I Am Lake Worth podcast. This is Carl Stoveland, your host. I'm the guy that started the I Am Lake Worth photography project, and this podcast has grown out of that where I have photographed about 70 people from the city of Lake Worth and asked them Lake Worth is special because, which turned into people wanting to know more about the subjects of the photos. Because of that, we've now done 20 podcasts and we're looking at doing a bunch more. My guest tonight is Omari Hardy. Omari, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be invited. Omari is a sitting commissioner for the city of Lake Worth and is up for election this year. The elections are in March. I've had several of the candidates be part of the project, so while the I Am Lake Worth project is apolitical and doesn't support any one candidate, we have had the other candidates on to talk about Lake Worth. Um, we try to stay away from the political side and make this probably the easiest conversation you have during this time period. So with that, um, just like the other people who've been on the podcast, what we do is I start off with the question that got this whole thing started. So Lake Worth is special because dot, dot, dot. Lake Worth is special because people really do know the meaning of the word community here. Um, we are a small town physically, geographically, but uh, we're a town full of neighbors who know each other and who help each other and who band together uh, when we need to and who band together when we don't need to just to have fun. Um, so I, I certainly appreciate that about this community. Um, I, I think Lake Worth is also special. I've come to appreciate this over time because we are um, a very, very affordable, very, very authentic, walkable uh, town. Um, and that value cannot be overstated. It really can. I've, I'm a new resident, more or less. I mean, I'm going on three years now. But what really drew me here was the walkability of Lake and Lucerne and how quickly I realized just how connected the people were and what a sense of community it has. It's, it's a really different place in South Florida. It's, you don't find a lot of cities that are really like this. There are very few. And I grew up in South Florida. And for a lot of y'all, I went to school in Miami. I've never left South Florida. And I can't think of a place quite like this. Perhaps Wilton Manor's. Mm -hmm. 30 years ago, um, perhaps Coconut Grove, uh, maybe 40 years ago. Right. Um, but today, there's no place like Lake Worth in South Florida. For, for its pluses and its minuses, for its there's no place. its pluses and its minuses. Exactly. And uh, yeah, that, that sense of charm or that feeling of charm and that sense of community is certainly what grabbed me and we wound up being here and very glad we made the decision to be here. So... Uh, Let's move on to, uh, you're a teacher, right? I am. Uh, middle school? What grades? Middle school, uh, seventh grade. I've taught a little of sixth. I've taught a little of eighth. I focused mostly on seventh grade civics. Civics, okay. Um, first of all, what I have to do is say thank you for doing that because I know firsthand that's a thankless job. My mom and my wife's mom are both retired teachers and... I saw the hours and the commitment that went into that and the good teachers take on the responsibility for their students in so many different ways. And it's, you know, there's, there's no amount of money that teachers can be paid that can make that job worth what they put into it. But it's also a lot of times they get much more out of it than just money, you know, so it's 
So from me, thank you for doing that job and talk a little bit about what that's like. Well, first of all, I appreciate that. Um, it can be a very stressful job. It can be true that thank yous don't come as often as you would like as a teacher, uh, but it is also very fulfilling. And uh, you have these wonderful, wonderful moments uh, where you realize that you're doing good uh, and that you're um, helping uh, children um, in ways that you didn't really imagine. Um, and you get those moments when you least expect it um, because children are always watching you and they're always registering what's happening. And you might not be aware of exactly how you're affecting them, but you are at all times affecting them. And so if you, if you really do your best, um, you're going to find out that you've had a positive impact on the kids. And the kids will let you know that um, themselves because they're not, um, at least at this age, while they're beginning to understand what cool is, they're not so cool to where they, 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 they won't come up to you and say, you know, Mr. Hardy, I really appreciate XYZ ABC. Uh, and, and those moments make you feel really great. Also, mm -hmm. the moments that you have with the parents um, who uh, might have had issues you know, with, um, you know, their child in this class or the other class, right? But in your class in particular, you know, there might be a connection there and there might be, um, you know, a situation where a child feels comfortable enough to excel and, and, and be his or her best self. And, and in a lot of cases, the, the, the parents feel great about that and they will let you know also. So I, I um, of course, I think we all know teachers are underpaid. Of course, I think we all know teachers are probably a little overworked, but um, the job is a very fulfilling job. And um, uh, you, you, you can't measure uh, that fulfillment, as you said, in, in monetary terms. Mm -hmm. um, it's just something that goes deep down into the, into, the, into the soul. Yeah, it's definitely a calling more than a job. You know, totally. I had, I had thought about it at one point for a while, and it didn't work out for me to do that. But I do get some of that satisfaction from teaching workshops and doing mm. art classes and stuff sometimes. And I managed to feed the bug a little bit that way. Mm -hmm. So uh, seventh grade civics, let's see. Seventh grade, you're right. They haven't turned into, the, the hormones haven't totally turned them into the monsters that they're going to be for a couple of years. Not yet. Um, I remember eighth and ninth grade being particularly brutal, um, Lord of the Flies kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're right, seventh grade was still manageable. Mm -hmm. um, we were all we all came from like four different schools, feeding into a middle middle school, and that pack mentality hadn't really taken over yet. We hadn't been right. sorted into well, this one's a jock and this one's a right. weed and right. this and that. Right. So it was. Um, I remember seventh grade in particular of those years being the okay year. The other right. ones were a growing experience, to, call, right. to say the least. Right. You know what? One way to tell that the kids in seventh grade are still very much kids is they still run around mm -hmm. <laughs> in between bells after lunch. Uh, in my classroom, I, I hear a lot of foot stomping and running around the hallway, which I, you can conceive of it as a nuisance, but really what that is is, is, is innocence. You know, they're not mm -hmm. too cool. Uh, not to horse around, uh, which is uh, evidence of, 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 you know, of the state of a child, which yeah, is cool. Yeah, th their brains haven't taken over their actions nope. completely yet. Nope, they're, not yet. They're not filtered. <laughs> not yet. That's cool stuff. You went to school in Miami? I did. I went to school at the University of Miami uh, in Coral Gables, um, which is very different from the rest of Miami. Um, mm -hmm. Coral Gables was founded at about the same time that Lake Worth was founded. 
um, and it was built very much on the on the same principles. Um, it is an authentic town. Uh, it is in its downtown area, very walkable. Um, uh, it's very close to Coconut Grove, which has kind of a, a, a very similar feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really enjoyed going to, to, to school there. I think I got a, a very solid education. I appreciated that the school was smaller than uh, some of the schools that my friends attended in, in Gainesville and Tallahassee. Um, I appreciated the fact that I, I knew my cohort of, of people in my in my study area and that uh, towards my you know junior and senior year, we were able to have classes you know with your professor where you're sitting around at a table and wine is being served. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that experience could have been had at a, at a much larger university, but I, I did have that experience at UM, so I was thankful yeah, for that. You, you go to Michigan State and you get into that kind of scale where you walk in and there's 400 people in the 100-level classes. Right. It's a whole different ballgame. Right, right. I went to a small school in upstate New York, and I certainly treasured the small school feel to it. Totally. Totally. I, I don't think I would trade that um, for anything. And the, the, the wonderful thing about it also is that uh, as you age, uh, the alumni in your, in your alumni association, um, if you're of the same age, you kind of know of each other. Mm-hmm. Right, and so there's there's much less distance between the alumni, and so I, I think we're probably a little more of a of a family, and maybe a little more insular, um, and so I appreciate that as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's without being you know an official fraternity, it's a club. Right. You've you've you, yeah. you've been through the same war together, right. and you you have the same memories. Right, right. You know, I remember in high school we had a a, a day where you would wear the hat or shirt or whatever of your college. And so most of the the kids at my high school were wearing shirts for UF or Florida State or, or UCF, which are you know really huge schools. UCF is like the second biggest school in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was one other kid wearing a UM hat and a UM shirt. And because we were so few in number, we connected <laughs> over that. And he ended up giving me his hat. I didn't have any gear. He ended up giving <laughs> me his hat. Um, and then we got to know each other better uh, when we were at UM. And so that kind of experience is, is again, you know, there are very few of us. We, we tend to, you know, notice each other and we tend to um, uh, uh, stick together and support each other because perhaps we know how few <laughs> we are in number. So. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Um, then growing up, Fort Lauderdale, that was a little bit bigger experience, you know, bigger city. Bigger city. Did not get to experience very much of the city as a child. Um, most of my life was lived uh, west of 7th Avenue. So Fort Lauderdale is still today a, a pretty segregated town. There's mm-hmm. everything that happens east of 7th Avenue uh, and everything that happens west of, of 7th Avenue. The historically African-American part of Fort Lauderdale is west of, of 7th Avenue. The uh, historically African-American newspaper is the West Side Gazette. Okay. The uh, football team is the Western Tigers. And so I, I didn't realize this until I was an adult that I, ha- I, I, I experienced a part of Fort Lauderdale. And then as an adult, as my horizons expanded, I got to experience other parts of Fort Lauderdale, which, which were really, really cool. So I, I've come to appreciate Fort Lauderdale uh, in ways that I really didn't as a, as a, as a kid, as a teenager. Um, it's certainly a tremendous city, mm-hmm. a, an important city in the state. Um, it has a lot to offer people, a lot of economic opportunity there. Uh, and I think it's, it's leaders over a period of time have something very much to be proud of. They've accomplished a lot there for everyone. And uh, they still have a ways to go. But it's a great, great city. Great, great city. Well, and like anywhere, I, I, 
when I need to see tall buildings, that's where I go. It's the closest place with some tall buildings <laughs> downtown. Um, but I think we're all works in progress, especially in a place where most of the cities were founded a hundred years ago, you right. know, so we're still young in that way and still going through growing pains right. of just outgrowing first generations of infrastructure in some cases <clears throat> and, and that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's a unique living experience compared to where I grew up in the Hudson Valley, where it had been settled in the 1600s and, you know, the town I grew up in was part of the Revolutionary War and, you know, stuff was already pretty well solidly established, you know, right. I mean, the neighborhood I grew up in was carved out of farmland and it was still pretty rural. By the time I left high school, that was different. It was much more a bedroom community for New York City. Mm. Um, growth happens everywhere, I guess, is really what it comes down to. It does. And I, I think our cities in South Florida are at best tweeners right now. We're, we're still, as you said, very young especially compared to cities in the Northeast um, mm -hmm. where where you are from. And much of the history is yet to be written here. And as you said, growth happens everywhere. It's happening especially in Florida and especially in South Florida. And so I think over time we're going to see cities change and, and hopefully they'll change in ways that allow greater inclusion that incorporate the lessons of the, of the, of the past, both, both the good lessons and the, and the bad lessons. But that's Florida. <laughs> the other things we have to do as the great westward migration mm. and sprawl is happening mm. is, you know, protect that bit of the Everglades that's totally. left. And um, remember that I have a personal stake in why I want it saved and preserved sure. because of the beauty. And I like getting out in the swamps with my camera. But that is also the watershed for the lower half of North America. Right. And the water filtering system so we we need that in place we can't block it all off with development and it has to you know always everything has to be done in balance and that's that's this polarized world that we live in right now that's the thing we have to keep our eyes on is making sure that everything is done with an eye towards the future and you know just balance i agree wholeheartedly in the 90s there was a movement called eastward ho and it was meant to encourage uh cities uh, to steer development away from the Everglades and, and to encourage development patterns that were not sprawling, but that were more dense. I, I would love to see a revival of that idea because if, if we don't protect the Everglades now uh, with the growth that we're experiencing in, in Florida, uh, there won't be much left. Um, and future generations of Floridians will never know what it's like to be on an airboat in the Everglades. Um, and you know, think about the Florida Panther and about how the Everglades is so crucial to its survival. Uh, you know, the more we encroach on that, the, the, the more we're guaranteeing that future generations won't, won't know what that means, you know. Won't, well, won't. yeah, and road development is so detrimental to them because they don't like to cross roads, right. and they get killed crossing right. roads, and they end up closing in their breeding space, and right. it's affecting the breed itself. And the gene pool. Yeah, yes. it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another thing we have to keep an eye on where, you know, the alligators have been here longer than any of us. I think they were there with the dinosaurs. And I, I think they're a pretty hardy animal. They're, <laughs> other than freezing them, there's not much you can do to them. Right, right, right. But the, but the Florida panther is uh, certainly a lot more sensitive. Right, yeah. e exactly. 
let's talk about our little city a little bit. What are some of the places you like to go and some of the things you like to see when you're here? I am a huge fan of the Sunday brunch at the beach club, which is at the golf course and not at the beach. Huge fan of the Sunday brunch there. It's $15 all you can eat. And how I was sold on it was Mitch, who is the owner operator of the beach club, told me, told me, we, you know, we have an all you can eat breakfast. I said, Oh, how much is it? He said 15 bucks. I said, Oh, that's not bad. He said, Yeah, you know, you go some places and they'll charge you 15 bucks for a drink. Right. And I said, You know what? <laughs> So I, I, I really enjoyed that. I get to sit on the water, uh, drink unlimited orange juice, eat unlimited bacon, eat unlimited eggs. So I, I, th- that's that's kind of my, my ritual. Um, it's a beautiful spot, and it's all of eight blocks from here, all or of eight. Well, 10 blocks from here, if you think. Totally. The, you know, heading towards the water. Right. Love the beach club. And the mis- Unfortunately named beach club, or not unfortunately, yeah. but the, the needs a better name beach club. It's definitely <laughs> in that category of poorly named organizations. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful place right on the water. Uh, anywhere in downtown is really phenomenal. Sure. Um, downtown is like a, a it, it's a place, right? It's, it's not, um, like any other downtown in Palm Beach County. It, it is very much authentic. So much of our historic architecture has been preserved, um, and it's walkable and you have an array of choices. If you want seafood, you can go to Dave's. If you want tacos, you can go to Lilo's. You want Peruvian now. Oh my gosh, you have Victoria's. There's so many Italian Paradiso, Rustico, so many different places that you can go to. And if you want to experience culture, you have the Stanzik Theater, you have the Playhouse. Uh, there's music at the, at the bookseller, uh, J Street. There are books, there's coffee. It has everything really you need. We really do, don't we? And yeah. What I've discovered that I like and the or that we've discovered that we like is not even having a reservation, just going into downtown right. and winding up somewhere right. and then winding up somewhere right. else, going out with our friends, seeing where the night takes us. I mean right. that's that's really kinda cool. Is you know, there's no bad choices. There's there's there are none. every place is great. Right. My my favorite these days is the um the library behind Lilo's. Yes. The uh that's that's my favorite little night spot. It's kind of like a Harry Potter themed library space with, you know, very specialty drinks. It's it's a lot of fun. Very small space, and it the atmosphere changes very quickly depending on one or two people entering the room. And that's very interesting. I really really get a kick out of because I like to people watch. Yeah, <laughs> ever the photographer. <laughs> yeah, well, with the camera, it's even easier because I get to hide behind the camera without right interacting i mean it's kind of funny having a podcast and doing all these art shows where i have to talk to people you wouldn't know how shy i was as a kid and generally consider myself to be i said i said to somebody last week that i was an introvert they laughed at me and i was like no i don't think you get it i'm pretty quiet and reserved and i like to be in the background like i see you in the front of everything so i'm like i i think i think i also see myself with hair, so obviously it's our own self-image. <laughs> sure, sure. I am skeptical of artists that are not on the introverted side of things because artists typically observe, and it's hard to observe when you're a part of the thing you're observing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you know, whether it's writers or photographers or painters or musicians, a lot of the great ones, I can't say all, but a lot of the great ones were, were people who kind of stepped back and, and were not a part of the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but that's that's the place where they get their uh, where you know where they get their power from because they're seeing things that other people can't see. One of my favorite writers is a, is a journalist named Gay Talese, mm-hmm. um, who who writes a lot. And the first article he ever wrote was for the New York Times, and it was an article about a parade, and it was from the perspective 
of the guy who was last in the parade, <laughs> right? And so, <laughs> but that I, I think that's that sums up the spirit of the of the artist in in, in a lot of ways. Always the way I, I I'm always mentally cataloging stuff for later use. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's relaying a story that I heard mm-hmm. or right getting an idea for a picture and then coming right. back and doing it. So yeah, I think that I think that it's certainly the the collector or the observer that is what I'm wired to be at least. Definitely. I mean everyone's different and Definitely. some artists do their thing differently but that's certainly how I I'm I'm a sponge kind of absorbing this stuff. Beethoven kept a little album uh, where he would jot down these musical ideas. I think he called it uh, his album blotters, album leaves where he'd jot down these musical ideas, as, as you said, for, for later use. So he'd always, he'd, he'd always be carrying this little book with him and he'd get an and idea. And... Isn't that kind of amazing that a man who couldn't hear yeah. at that point right. had heard enough in his life to be able to hear three chords together and a melody and put it together on paper so that he could communicate it back. I mean, that's, that's really kind of amazing. You know, he was, he was, forget once in a generation, once in a lifetime, you know, just amazing. It's hard. So I went to school originally to study music, uh, in particular opera. Um, it's hard to understate Beethoven's genius. And more than that, the guy had a tremendous capacity, but the guy worked extraordinarily hard. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to master his craft uh, as both a pianist and also as a composer. And so all of the all of the technical skills were there. I think for someone of equal talent but of less uh, technical ability that's gained through hard work, uh, deafness would have been a, a, an issue. Um, but for him, it didn't really matter. Uh, he, was just, he was just so good. <laughs> he was just so good. Yeah, that's why we're still listening to him today. You yeah. Know? I mean, that's... That's because he set the bar pretty high. You, you put him and Mozart together, and that's you know, right half the catalog of yeah. classical music. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a repertoire to work from. When you're not being a teacher, mm-hmm. when you're not wearing your commissioner hat, mm-hmm. and you get to do the things you like to do, you, you mentioned that you you know went to school originally for music. What do you mm-hmm. like to do when you're on your own or doing your own thing? I do listen to a lot of music. Uh, thank God for Spotify. Spotify has made so much music available to anyone who loves music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm able to listen a lot more than I would be able to if I had to buy every every record, every album, or what have you. So I, I spend a lot of time listening to music. Spend a lot of time reading. Uh, spend a lot of time watching bad television. I watch the worst television when I watch television. Oh, really? Yes. It's um, a guilty pleasure. I, well, you know, I like Dateline. I like mystery shows, right? So okay. I watch Dateline. I'll watch. I watch uh, a lot of. British mysteries. I seem oh, to be drawn to all the British stuff. I have not watched any British mysteries. I'll watch the original Law and Order from the '90s after season four, mm-hmm. preferably. Um, uh, and of course, I'll, I'll watch CNN uh, and um, the news. Um, and then you know, I I, I like uh, honestly, I, I like to eat, so I, I look forward to dinner every day. I, I really uh, look forward to that experience. Um, uh, you know, when, when you think about it, it's what you do two to three times a day. Oh, yeah. And and when you think about uh, mealtime, it's something almost always that you look forward to. Um, and and some uh, almost you can judge how fun a culture is by how much they look forward to mealtime. <laughs> and, and, and the rituals that they put around. And the rituals the food, they, sure. they put it right, right. Um, so, yeah, 
yeah, I, I like to listen to music. I, I like to read a, a range of things. I watch the worst television, and uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna to meals. up your television game right now. On PBS in the late '70s, early '80s, there was um, a British mystery show called Inspector Morse. Okay, I'm gonna tell you to skip that. Skip it. Skip it. But the character of Inspector Morse, his name is Endeavor Morse was in his late 40s, early 50s, during that time period of the show. There is a current show now on BBC that, I think it's five or six seasons in. I think they've shown five and they're recording number six. Mm -hmm. It is Endeavor yours, Endeavor Morse as a young police officer coming up and oh. becoming who he would be later. And, and so this is better than the actual, like the, this prequel the, series? The current prequel outpaces it by miles really? and you'll really like it because he solves i think in the first episode he solves um a mystery with musical clues so oh, you'll wow. definitely want to try it that sounds like very high quality television um i should say i don't always watch terrible television i watch i, I think seinfeld is one of the greatest things ever mm -hmm. um i'm a huge fan of lost i've watched lost every season now uh three times it is in my opinion, my humble opinion, the greatest show of all time. Uh, For me, that's The West Wing, and I can probably quote oh, so you. I've never watched The West. Everyone's told me I need to watch <laughs> The West Wing. I've I never can probably it. quote you if you give me an episode really? of Who's Talking. I can probably repeat wow. the dialogue. Okay. I fall asleep to it way too often, wow. so it's right up there. It's probably my favorite show of all time. Wow. You know, one of the things that I loved about Lost was that it was about a bunch of people who had to learn how to get along over a period of time, and you had to learn how to deal with each other and their um, uh, habits and quirks as a result of their backstories, right? And so when you see human beings uh, you know, walking around you, you're seeing a whole story, and you're only seeing, if, if the story is like a line, you're only seeing... The, the, the tip of that line mm -hmm. and it's only when you kind of get up close and you kind of get to know someone you can kind of inspect that story and see everything that's happened before you met them and, and that, that's, the, that's the thing I appreciate the most about Lost from the, from the very beginning of it it was clear into the very end of it and you end up having this uh, appreciation for, for human beings um, and uh, there's I think a clear message of uh, empathy and tolerance and forgiveness, taking a bigger view of each person that you that you meet. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I certainly appreciate that about about Lost in particular. How about um, of the current ones? Do you watch Manifest? I don't watch Manifest. It reminded me a lot of Lost. That's what made uh, me ask just, that just question. From the, just from the previews, I I, I haven't uh, seen it. What I am watching right now is The Good Place. Oh, yeah. Very yes. funny. Yeah. Very funny. And so I went to college originally to study opera. I changed my major to economics, but my minor was philosophy. Boy, that, boy that, those are a couple of hard right turns. Yeah, very, very, very. <laughs> yeah. So from, from, for, from opera to economics and, you know, minoring in philosophy, which I, I really enjoyed probably more than my major. But ethics was like a huge thing for me. And we, we, we had a, a, a grant from Adrienne Arsht, um, thankfully. And she created an ethics center at the University of Miami. And so we all got to study ethics in a very rigorous way. And we traveled and debated other, other colleges. And so here comes this television show about 
uh, how can we be better people? <laughs> and that's basically what, you know, the, the, this woman, you know, Eleanor ends up in heaven and she realizes that she's not in the right place and she's got to hide it. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's very, very challenging. Uh, I, I think it's definitely a, a show that, that challenges um, the, the viewers. I think it's very smart. There's a lot of the big questions wrapped up in big, 30 minutes questions. of funny. Yeah. So I, I really yeah. enjoy that show. Oh, man. Yeah, it's great. It's great. You watch more television than I thought. I do. I, do. <laughs> I watch. I'm guilty of watching a lot of television. Thank so God I... for DVR <laughs> and Netflix. <laughs> yeah, Netflix has changed my world because I no longer have to worry about what's on on any given night. Right. In fact, I don't watch hardly any live television anymore. If it's not on Hulu and Netflix, I don't. I don't think I've turned on the cable part of my television in months. Wow. Who needs to? Well, I you know the DVR is so critical for me, and it's always at 100 percent full. It's, it's oh, like, that's a drag. Uh, you know, I, I got I got so bad at Comcast what you, the other what day. What do I delete? What do I delete? Yeah, no, I'm like, you know, are you telling me, Comcast, I can only have 50 episodes of Law & Order and 39 <laughs> episodes of Dateline and, and seven episodes of Hawaii Life? <laughs> you know, they built these things with the idea that you'd have like 10 episodes total right. in there and right. you'd get caught up and right. delete them off. And right. We're all just such big consumers of content. Totally. You think about music, nothing... I, before we move on to that, actually, sure. th this whole idea of, um, you know, people being sued over the sound of a song. <laughs> Dude, there's 12 it notes. Hurts my, yeah, it, 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 yeah there, there, there are only 12 of them, okay? And, and, you know, we're all writing music in total harmony. And what was very interesting, I, I won't name the lawsuit, but there was a, a recent lawsuit with a very popular song. Um, that Pharrell and, and Robin Thicke collaborated on, and the family of a, of a great artist uh, sued. And uh, even Stevie Wonder was like, huh? You know, right. it, was, it, was, it, was very, it was very interesting. But Stravinsky said, uh, uh, a great composer, a great artist doesn't borrow, he steals. Right? And I, I think that says, okay, like it's not just like blatant copying, right? But it's also you can incorporate somebody else's ideas uh, into something that's yours, right? To where it belongs to you. I've I've heard that done. quote given as good writers borrow from other writers, mm -hmm. and the great writers steal outright. Yeah, because yeah. it's going to become theirs and become right. you know. So that you know, this, yeah. trying to work within a framework of twelve notes and yeah. a limited number of chords. I mean, yeah. there's always going to be. Ooh, you put the same two chords next to each other as I did in this song. Right. It's like, well, okay, all of rock and roll is built on a one, four, five progression. Most with a of six, with a six thrown in there. Yeah, and, yeah, and most of jazz that. is built on a <laughs> two, two, five, five one. one. Yeah. yeah. So you know what? <laughs> Which, in some ways, is great because when you learn how to play John Fogerty's Rock and Roll Girls, congratulations, you now know how to play fifty Everything. rock and roll songs. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I find that to be completely uh, absurd. And anytime yeah. I talk to somebody who is into music, yeah. that's usually actually. Let's. What is your, what is your go-to genre? My go-to genre. Oh my gosh, that would still be opera. Okay. Jazz is a very very close second. Um, my go-to genre is still opera, and I, you know, in, in particular, I like singers from a from a certain era. Um, so I obviously like put, put Caruso who sang in the early 1900s, uh, you know, through the twenties in a, in a separate category. He's the greatest ever. You can't touch him. 
the hard part with him with understanding him for the general public is that the recordings the, are so the quality bad. Quality recordings, right? But once you listen through the, I mean, Caruso was singing into a tin can, and that was making vibrations that would make indentations on a wax cylinder. Right. That that's hard for a lot of people to get past. But once you do, the guy's technique was flawless. If you can grade that on a curve and understand exactly yeah. what you're listening yeah. to, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 really tough. So put him aside. Put uh, Mattia uh, 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 Battistini aside. Put Rosa Poncel aside, um, and then you get singers who sang in the late '40s, in the '50s, and in the '60s. So, like my favorite, uh, personally, is Mario Del Monaco, who was a tenor. They called him the Brass Bull of Milan. <laughs> um, what a great name! The guy was the guy sang like a brass bull. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal voice. He could do things and sing things in a way that made you say, "Oh my gosh!" You know, how does one do this? Um, Franco Corelli, fantastic. Um, we um, uh, lost her this year, um, Montserrat Caballé. Um, this, so this lady, you, you can't do today what she did when she sang because she was a larger woman and she was a terrible actress. She didn't move around the stage very much. But when she opened her mouth, you couldn't doubt <laughs> <laughs> this, this woman's awesomeness. Um, and then you got the great female singers, uh, uh, Maria Callas, who was almost Maria Onassis. <laughs> you got women like um, Renata Tabaldi, and uh, they were in a sort of a feud. I think Maria Callas said of uh, Renata Tabaldi, comparing me to her is like comparing cognac to Coca-Cola. But they were both great in their in their own um, way, and you know your your bigger Nilsons of the of, you know the world, uh, fantastic. So that's my go-to genre. Um, close behind is Jazz, huge fan of Herbie Hancock. Mm -hmm, sure. Uh, guy can't, you know, you, you, you can't touch the guy. Um, huge fan of uh, fusion bands like, um, uh, uh, you know, Return to Forever. Mm -hmm. um, really, really fantastic. Um, interestingly enough, Chick Corea, the pianist in that band, replaced Herbie Hancock when Miles Davis fired him. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, th you know, those are my two go-to genres, but it's still opera. Yeah, and jazz, the jazz world at that level is a small world, and small. everybody's played with small. everybody. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Some of these band names are because five guys got together one night and played, right. and an album came out of it, and they made right. up a name because right. they had to make up a name. Right. So it's, you have to follow the players more than the groups for sure. Totally, totally, yeah. My, my entrance into jazz and my first love in it, are two things. I love American songbook standards. Mm. Um, they're a little bit simpler and a little bit more accessible for me. Yeah. Um, but then the 50s trumpet players. You know, okay. You give me Chet Baker. Yeah. You give me Miles Davis. Yeah. The, the East Coast School and the West Coast School. Just yeah. to me, that's just raising yeah. jazz and the trumpet. Yeah. Chop by chop and song by song. I had the pleasure of... Um, hearing Arturo Sandoval in person, who um, I think, as he, he puts it, he does battle with his instrument on a nightly basis. And, and I, I'm a huge fan of virtuosity, like somebody who can do anything so well, where it's like, it's almost, how do you, how do, you do that? How is that possible, right? And so every single night, he says, he, he, take, he does battle with that metal instrument. Um, so I really appreciate great, great trumpet playing. It's a feat. It's a feat. Uh, it's just a small mouthpiece oh, you're pushing all this air through this tiny instrument yeah the breath control alone yeah. is amazing but then you think about it there's three valves on the darn thing yeah yet the range of notes because right you know 
the same the same note and the same fingering just by changing your embouchure and how right. you're playing right. can be three, four different notes. Right. And right. you got to be able to remember how you did that next yep. time. Yeah. It's kind of yep. cool. I got the, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch a, a, a kid, uh, Danielle Camarga. She's a senior at Dillard High School. Mm-hmm. And I got the chance to hear her play because Wycliffe Gordon, the greatest jazz trombonist in the world, invited her to play with him at his annual concert in Boca Raton. And uh, this girl, you could not tell the difference between her and a seasoned professional. Uh, she was phenomenal. I think one day people are going to talk about her the way we talk about some of these other uh, uh, players cool. who, are, who are legendary. And Wycliffe said that about it. The, the, she was phenomenal. So the, a look to the future. <laughs> and on that very note, we do the jazz on J Street now. Yep. I know your Tuesday nights are booked, so Rough. you haven't had much of a chance to see it. <laughs> But a lot of times they have the high school kids come up and play with the seasoned pros who are in there and mixing it up. And I got to tell you, those kids are fantastic. They hold their own. They really, really, the show doesn't go downhill at all just because the kids are playing. In fact, there's a young trombone player named Benji who's just absolutely fantastic. And just, he's like 12, 12 or 13. And he's hanging in there with guys who've been playing 40 and 50 years. And they're all taking pictures with them at the end. And... It's a joy to see. I, I love kids getting inspired by music or art, anything that's creative. Right. And so it's just so cool to see. That's really awesome. That's great. Cool. All right. Well, we diverged from our path of doing the questions <laughs> and ate up another few minutes. But let's get on to the questions. All right. So, again, these are the James Lipton questions. Mm-hmm. And here we go. What is your favorite word? I'll give you a Greek word, chiasmus. Okay. It's a, it's a rhetorical form, right? What I love about Amazon is that I don't have to go to the store. The store comes to me, right? Mm-hmm. I store, store me, right? Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's a great word. I like the way it sounds. It comes off the, uh, off, the, off the tongue, and it's a really cool thing. So, yeah. Cool. What is your least favorite word? Disgust. Disgust with a G or disgust? Disgust with a G. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Creatively. Um, elegance. I, I can appreciate that in any medium, uh, whether it's math, whether it's music, whether it's English. I really, really appreciate uh, well-put-together, beautiful uh, forms. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really appreciate that. And you're right. It's not limited to any one thing. It's something just a supremely well done job yeah. is satisfaction in and of itself. Yeah. Okay, I get that. What turns you off? Rudeness. And if we're still talking about in, in creativity. Um, well, this is in any format you want. So um, just what, what turns you off in general is the question. Oh, okay. So I came up in a family where everything was discussed ad nauseum. Uh, you couldn't win the discussion because uh, mom always won the discussion. But uh, well, that's you, just house you rules. Were free, yeah, that's house <laughs> rules. But you were you were free to discuss that, and it was expected that 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 argumentation <laughs> would, uh, would you know would occur. Um, so I like when people tell me what they think of me or an issue or what have you, and where they're willing to engage. I really dislike it. It's a huge turnoff uh, for me when um, discussion 
uh, about important things are avoided. Um, it's always important to just have the discussion and get it out of the way than to hold it in and hope that by somehow not discussing it, it just goes away. Mm. I grew up in a house that was very Scandinavian, very reserved, mm. very sure. quiet. You know, we could, we all got along and there were no problems. And right. We could eat dinner and, you right. know, pass the salt may have been the only thing we said for 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> and I, I remember going to my friend Danny Goldblatt's house and having dinner with his family and his parents. And it was just a raucous adventure. And I learned to appreciate the difference. I mean, I like quiet and I'm fine with that. And I think it's made me the independent person I am today. But at the same time, boy, there was a lot of joy at that table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so moving on from what turns you off, what is your favorite curse word? Well, I'm a politician. I don't, I don't know what a curse word is now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a that's that's a, a safe answer. Well, look, let's 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 be honest. Gosh, this is terrible. In in private conversation, um, I, I, I'm I, I'm not a stranger to the F word, but um, I I I just think it's a really funny word, and I I think the best uses of it are when people use it in ways that don't make sense. Sure. <laughs> I'm thinking of a few movies um, in particular, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the, the unexpected F-bomb. So I interviewed um, Joyce Brown mm -hmm. as part of this project. Mm -hmm. And when I asked her that question, she let out a string of obscenity <laughs> that left me blushing. It was so funny. Well, you know what I'll say? Any curse word inserted like in the interior of a word, like if you start a word and then you insert the curse word and then finish the right. word, that that is the pinnacle of, of all obscenity. That's really um, the smart way to use it. Yeah, yeah. What sound or noise do you love? The human voice is a great, well-used, is a, it's incomparable. Organs, real organs, uh, wonderful. Yeah. Cool. What sound or noise do you hate? Oh, any kind of screeching. Um, I'll tell you what I hate, and this this is, goes back to my my you know as a, as a teacher, if a student has a pencil where the eraser is too low and it's like getting to the metal and oh, they're it's catching the rim. I I will give them a pencil. <laughs> like just don't don't do that to me. <laughs> it's like nails on a. It's the worst. Just mm. thinking about it right now. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? law um easily no doubt um and I, I may be attempting that in the in the future I, I somehow i stumbled on a video of david cole who i now I, I think is the director of legal strategy for aclu uh arguing a case um in front of a circuit court in new york city about a guy who the united states rendered to syria to be interrogated right and i'm watching this guy arguing and go back and forth with the judges i was like man that's cool right this guy is using words and reason uh, to affect the real world and to potentially cement a, a framework of rights for human beings in the future all that he's doing uh with words and logic that's cool and you know litigators do that that's awesome Law, as, as a next step, you're already a teacher. You're already working civically. I think that's cool stuff. What profession would you not like to do? Ooh, anything that involves careful uh, counting, 
and deadline keeping. And, uh, I, you know, I, I would be a really poor, um, oh my gosh, let's see. I would run a factory into the ground. <laughs> That's just, I, 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 I would run a factory into the ground. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to do anything like that. You know? Okay. And the final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You tried. Good. I like it. Well, Omari, thank you so much. This has been an thank enlightening you. conversation. This was fun. It was this fun. This was fun. And I try to keep these fun. I don't want anyone to feel like they're on the hot seat. Yeah. And like I was saying earlier, this is probably the easiest conversation you've had in the last month considering the what you're trying to achieve. And one of the most fun. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Thank you.